Hello and welcome dear listeners to our pilot episode of the podcast channel Savoir. My name is Shilton, hosting with me are Mary and Michael. As the world faces the horror that is the COVID-19 pandemic, a few innovative Kenyans with budding prospects have broken the internet and made news headlines following the efforts to fill the gap much needed in the fight against COVID-19. Today we have the pleasure of hosting three out of the team of 15 students from Kenyatta University amongst other. We have Christine and Louis in the field of biomedical engineering joined by Frederick, a medical student. Welcome. Please greet and introduce yourselves to our audience. Uh hello. How are you? Uh, I hope it's okay if I go first. My name is Lewis Kamindu. I'm a biomedical engineer. I'm in my final year actually. I'm taking my final exams right now. And it's a pleasure to to be part of this podcast. Um thank you so much. Thank you so much. My name is Kristin Were. I'm a fourth year biomedical engineering student at Kenyatta University, Kenya. And it's an honor for me to part- to participate in this uh, podcast today. Mm. Thank you. Uh hello guys. Hi. Hello. 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 <laughs> My name is Frederick Nundu. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in my third year. I'm taking bachelor's of medicine and bachelor of surgery. Mm-hmm. I appreciate this time you've given to us to interact. Wonderful. Thank you. Ah, uh, okay. So we'll thank you, our guests. I guess we can go straight forward to the questions. And for the first one, um, given the climate that we are we are in, or rather during that whole time. I'm sure the whole need for uh, a ventilator must have been quite, uh, it was necessary, right? But what was that moment where you felt this was, this was it? When did the idea actually hit um, that this is what we need, this is the problem that we need to fix right now? Uh, I guess we can start with Christine, Are you okay with that? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, when COVID hit the country, our country, Kenya, in March uh, 2019, uh, the school advised us to go home um, and to stay safe with our parents. And as engineering students, most of the time we are taught so many um, things in class. And when we were at home, we wondered, uh, what are we going to do for our country? Because we're seeing scientists um, start Uh, researching on vaccines and doctors also working in the hospital. So we also had to contribute. And you remember this was going to be a very long holiday and there's nothing we could do at home. That's when we teamed up and decided that guys actually can make a ventilator because most of us uh, have been in hospitals and have used those devices before. So it was just, um, the idea was just born out of free time and also availability of skills that you have. And for the for our fellow guests, anything else you can add on onto that? Lewis and, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, can, I may go take a go at it and then Lewis may add something. Uh-huh. So uh, Christine has already explained that uh, it was a difficult time. Mm-hmm. We were all going home and everybody was afraid. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem that we had actually was that uh, we didn't have ventilators because uh, the West, the Western countries that were giving us the ventilators had refused even to sell theirs because they were also in their fix. Mm. And we were left, uh, we were left uh, on our own. Mm. So as engineering and medical students, we, there's a group that we have uh, that is IEEE, mm. uh, the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineering, then EMBS and the, engineering in medicine and biological sciences. So uh, the IEEE team consists of the, all of those guys in this team. So we, me, we met up, we discussed what we could solve, the way Christine has already explained. Uh, it will be a, a long way if we go to the lab and Camry was doing their parts. Uh, then the engineering department said, what if we make these ventilators? So we came together 
the, the medical side had to bring the ideas on how do we go about making these ventilators, what does the human ventilation involve? And then we work together with these engineers, the Tina, Lewis, and the rest of the group and our team leader. And we agreed that we can come up with a, with a prototype. So we, we, we had the, we, we had a chart, we formed charts, we wrote charts that will lead us on how to go about it. And then now we, we approached the institution and requested that they support us to do the prototype. And then the, the VC was very appreciative of these ideas. He said, yes, I can support you. So we were called very fast to go to, to school. And then we started our work in prototyping. So that's how we actually went through. Maybe Lewis can add something. Um, so uh, my friends, uh, Frederick and uh, Christian have talked about the process and how we actually came about it. I think the only thing I can add is to say that it's important for us to look inward when you're facing crisis and come up with solutions for ourselves. It doesn't matter what country you're in, backward or fast. And also, I think it's important that I recognize our team lead, uh, Fidel, and the rest of the team as well, mm -hmm. because uh, it was, if it wasn't for them, they, they would have, wouldn't have been born as well. Uh, yeah, that's, it, it is true. And at that point, there seemed to be like a race for ventilators. Like, uh, I remember even NASA wanted in, uh, and so many uh, things were happening even in the US you find like the FDA were trying to create rules bend over backwards so that they can ensure that uh, a lot of these things were being made because it was a crisis it was an emergency of sorts and um, making something like this must have come with uh, some challenges right what exactly what what were the biggest challenges you really faced from the beginning you can walk us through it really um, I guess Frederick can also, you can try, can you? What were the biggest challenges? Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. I'll go through some of them, then Christian and Lewis will add. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Initially, as we met, remember we were going to make something that has never been made in Africa. Mm -hmm. So it was like, we have a plan. Mm -hmm. Then we start, there's really nowhere to refer to like, how did they make theirs? Mm. We do not have an, uh, a ventilator that is there that we are looking at it and then we we trying to do reverse engineering like other other universities were doing. They, they, they were buying ventilators and doing reverse engineering. Mm. So ours, we were starting from scratch and reusing the principles of ventilation and what is required. So it was such a, a challenge to come up with such a thing. And then uh, then the concept itself, building the concept then help working with engineers again to make it happen. So it was very, it was a very difficult part. The other difficult part was in, um, we did not really have the, the parts because mm. most of these things are made from, most of these things are, the spare parts are not in our country because we don't, there's no company that is making ventilators either in Kenya or in Africa. So getting spare parts was really a difficult part, getting the parts to put together. So we were actually, using what we have in the country, taking this, trying this to fix there. So it was, that, that was the extent of the, the, the challenge. And then the, the knowledge, according to the scope, the scope of making a ventilator is high level of learning. Mm -hmm. So reading deep books that are beyond your level, studying and researching things that are beyond your level, uh, was uh, again really demanding. We actually not sleeping. We, we sleep like one hour or two hours, uh, and we're working around the clock because the country was asking where the ventilators are. Actually, they had already known that there are some students who are researching and looking for making ventilators. So everybody's eyes was on us, and it was that's why it was that stuff. So maybe let me follow up that. question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, Frederick, you mentioned something yeah. about engineering in medicine and biological sciences. So yes. um, what exactly was the team doing or what exactly does that team entail and how do you go about your activity? Okay, the teams, were, there were actually different teams. It's good you brought up that. The, the, the engineering was made up of the mechanical engineering, the electrical engineering, 
the biomedical engineering, and then there's the medicine team. So the electrical team was mainly involved in the electrical transmissions of how these, these machines, the machine has electrical component. So you come up with a, with a formula or a way in which it will make uh, the information that you want to achieve, let it be transmitted electrically. And then the engineering team, which Lewis and, and, and Christine will tell us more, they were mainly in, involved in, uh, apart from development of the logic and also translating that information from again, the medical side, because they are doing both medicals, uh, medical sciences and they're also doing the engineering side. So working again together with the electrical team and the mechanical team. And then the mechanical team was mainly involved with assembly and all things that pertains to uh, the mechanics. Then the medical team itself, they were involved in the medical physiology, the physiology of ventilation, the, the parameters that are required to make sure that this thing is safe and it actually simulates what a, a human being does within the tight limits that are required because a, a human being is uh, not like a human being is a very sensitive, not like any other animal. Mm -hmm. There's no chance for, a, there's always no second chance. Mm -hmm. So coming up with, again, explaining this, working together with the engineering team to come up with the logic on how this machine is going to work. So mainly those were the areas, but the engineers can also say more on their side. Christine. Um, thank you so much. Just to add on what Fred has said uh, yes. about the challenges that we went through. Mm -hmm. um, from my side, I think uh, one of the major challenges was acquiring fabricated parts. Uh, normally in Kenya or in other African countries, we are used to importing these parts like printed circuit boards. And in this situation, we had to make ours. And I remember us spending sleepless nights designing and also looking for local fabricators. And luckily through, throughout the process, we managed to get local fabricators. And I'm sure right now they have improved on their services because of the project or the onset of the problem. And also to add on what he said about research, uh, we did lots of research day and night to ensure that our device could match the standards of other devices worldwide. That's, that's nice. Lewis, do you have anything to add? Yeah. I guess I can add to that. Um, it was uh, the first of its kind ventilator that we had ever uh, decided to uh, to give us uh, ourselves a challenge. And yes, most of the time we had we found ourselves having to make our own algorithms to calculate parameters. Uh, and this was us. And we. Uh, I hope I'm clear. Can I be heard? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. So this is some of the technical challenges we faced, but. More than that, there are also other types of challenges, psychological challenges. You remember, this is a period where we were in a pandemic and yes. we had to stay. We weren't interacting with family and friends for a very long period of time. Yeah. About, about nine months or so, yeah. we had we interacting with family, friends, we were in school, designing and you know coming up with a ventilator. Yeah. And also we had to interact with uh, you know, several teams, engineering, medicine. Most of the times we had worked with amongst ourselves as engineers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but we actually interacted in a, in a, in a group where there were uh, several skill sets. So that was also new to us and we had to adjust to a lot of things. And um, looking on the psychological aspects, as you've mentioned, um, did you find the whole process stressful? Because right now, as you speak, we can see that probably there is like a lot more hope than there was at the time. We couldn't, it was a novel uh, virus and we are working with a pandemic that no, it was not seen before in a while. It's been a while since we had something like this. Did it add on to the pressure of, we have to get this done as soon as possible? Or uh, were we just, did you, did you feel any sort of pressure going into the whole, the whole, uh, the whole project? Um, maybe you can start with uh, Frederick, I guess. Thank you, Caesar. Thank you, Caesar. Is it Caesar? 
Yes. Did I get Okay, thank you. So uh, I think I'll get to that. Generally, as you said it right, there was pressure from all over. The, the pressure and stress, they were all together because one, the, the country is waiting on ventilators. Mm. And uh, we don't know even at home, how, how will our parents fare? How will our siblings fare? Mm -hmm. And this one is a machine that you are making for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's likely in case by bad luck, mm -hmm. one of us gets it, uh -huh. one of our relatives gets it, they are going to use this machine. Mm -hmm. So the pressure here is one, it has to be really high quality mm -hmm. such that the way we were talking, talking together as a team and encouraging each other, that this we must make something that's going to near perfection because this is something that's going to be used on you and also on me that by bad luck because this pandemic nobody used to know at least now it is easy at that time we fear there was fear it mm. could catch anybody even one of us so if it is going to be useful then i could be the one who is going to use this machine so you had to come in and bring in perfection but again the other fear of how are people at home anyway could one of them is, or two of them could contact it? How will it go down and then mess up the whole family? And then the pressure again from the environment. The, the government it was always sending emissaries to ask, how far are you? How far are you? How far are you? So it was really a stressful moment. The other stressful moment was coming with the, during the validation, during the certification. You see, this ventilator was not just something pumping. It was supposed to work within specific parameters that are universal and are fitting in the human physiology. Things like, uh, I will just say a few terms, which are, it will not be right to say here, but I have to say them. Uh, parameters such as uh, the positive end expiration pressure. That is the pressure that is supposed to be remaining in the lungs mm -hmm. when somebody is bringing the out. Things like the, the safety precautions that are the, the machine is supposed to have in case there's failure. Are there alarms in case power goes? So there are, there are a lot of things that perhaps we'll get time and talk about later. So mm -hmm. all this pressure for it to be validated, they, they came with something like, a, it was a marking, actually a marking scheme and they were ticking one after the other, ticking one after the other. Did you meet this? Did you meet this? Did you meet this? And these ones were, these were, were orders from WHO and other 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 organs, the whole world, mm. universal organs that are concerned with standards mm. that are supposed to be met, and they were coming uh, through the Kenya through the Bureau of Standards. So all those things are amounted to stress amongst ourselves, and mm. and uh, I can tell it was a difficult moment. But we appreciate at least how far we are here now. Maybe uh, my fellow um, friends can take over again. Uh, perhaps one of you could elaborate. Um, on the requirements that were set for you to meet. Mm. Christy. Oh, okay, thank you. So on requirements, um, there are things called ISO standards and we have ISO standards in various fields. Even the medical field has ISO standards. That is international standardization. Mm. Uh, in our case, we had so many standards. For example, the standards for electrical equipment, mm -hmm. that each and every equipment that is using electricity must, uh, must obey. Mm -hmm. The standards for uh, the standards for materials that you use, they shouldn't be toxic mm -hmm. to the human body. Uh, there, uh, there are other standards for pneumatic systems, the amounts of pressure that you, your device should be reading, the volumes that you should read at a given pressure. Uh, there are also standards for what you should display for the doctor and how the display should look. So there are so many standards. In all the design processes, you know a ventilator has various parts. We have the mechanical side, we have the electrical. In the electrical side, you'll have standards on the electronics, that is the small devices that you used on the boards. And you'll also have standards for the software applications because this is an instrument that it's actually run by software. So you also have standards in the software and you have standards for the small electric components, the electronics that you use. On the mechanical side, uh, there are standards for the designs. There are specific measurements for each and every outlet on a ventilator. 
the specific measurements for each filter, the specific measurement for each pipe that you use inside, the specific material that you should use that is very biocompatible to human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, apart from that, uh, on the mechanical side also on pressures I mentioned, the pneumatics, the specific valves that you must use and their readings and recordings must be the same. Because you want, if I set this pressure, then I should get this volume. If I set this pressure on this other ventilator, I should get the same volume. And if you don't follow all these standards, then you'll get mixed uh, results. So there were a bunch of standards that you had to go through and just make sure that each and every one of them was in line with our, with our design. Uh, Lewis, anything to add? Uh, I think I'll just add about the, the, all the challenges, uh, the stresses that we faced, at least uh, the school was able to provide us with, uh, uh, to, to connect us with our psychology department and we had uh, um, someone to help us through the. Oh, okay, fine. Um, I, I did want to ask, what about the finance side of things? Did you face One any- One moment. Sorry, okay. Perhaps before you carry on, Caesar, mm -hmm. um, there's something I wanted to probably just shoot out there mm -hmm. uh, at Christine, perhaps um, she could uh, elaborate at least for our lay people, the layman language, at least for our viewers who will be tuning in by what uh, pneumatic means, I suppose that would be appropriate. Um, okay, pneumatic means any system that is dealing with air, air pressures. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, so as I was asking, what about the finance side of things? Did you face any sort of, because I hear you, you have been talking about basically raw materials that you could not get within even Africa. Did that affect the type of, uh, the amount of cost that would go into the prototype and maybe subsequent uh, manufacturing of others should the prototype work? I guess, Frederick, I guess. Um, was there any? If there is none, it's okay. We can move on to the next question. Oh, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. About getting the, the raw materials and uh, the finances, we appreciate Kenyatta University administration came out very strongly mm -hmm. with this. Remember, this was a period where if you wanted, uh, for example, one of those, the pipes that were needed or one of the drills that were needed or any of those uh, technical materials that were needed, mm -hmm. perhaps you, you, when you checked through the internet, you'll have to, you could find that there's one part in a shop in Eldoret. Mm -hmm. And remember that time, um, there was these people who are supposed to be in those containment measures People yeah, were supposed yeah. to be Nairobi, yeah. not supposed to leave. Yeah. Mm. So the university came out very strongly. They they could write letters that could allow us to to go go through the borders, mm. to go and look for some of these materials mm -hmm. to come and use. And in terms of finance, the university came out very strongly again. They were ready. They asked us if there's anything that we need, any support that we need. And even the Kenya government, because they were working together with the national government, state was very aware, and they were they were there making phone calls every day to know about the progress. So generally, uh, we were receiving adequate support in terms of uh, infrastructure, in terms of uh, materials, books that we need. And even the mentorship, this one I was supposed also to mention, I forgot. Mm -hmm. We had mentors actually. We had professional le lecturers who are actually professionals mm -hmm. uh, in engineering department and all the engineering department, both electrical, mechanical, and biomedical sciences. We also had uh, a consultant doctor mm. who, who specializes in ventilation. Mm. Um, we, we also had a, a PhD nurse mm. who also uh, is highly trained and is practicing in intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. So we are not building something out of the bush or out of this world. We are building something that is actually, uh, everybody knows how it is working. And if there's something you need to ask, we will consult with them, we'll ask them. and. They were really helpful with the resources 
because they are also exposed. They have gone out country, they have seen, so they could give you videos of, of other ventilators, how they are working and everything. So generally, uh, I will say the support that we got was immense and we really appreciate that. Uh, anything else that um, can, mm -hmm. sorry? Uh, just a follow-up question. Um, yes. We're seeing different disciplines in coming together and interacting in order to develop this product. So who facilitated the, who facilitated this, who put this together? Okay, Lewis, perhaps we could take through that and then I may add. Um, during the, the, the idea's inception, um, as we said in the beginning, the school was approached and through Chandaria Innovation Center, we were hosted and a committee uh, was overseeing the, the whole idea coming into play. And the same committee saw fit to include uh, other skill sets into the group. Initially, they were just engineers, the medical, electrical, mechanical, and one civil engineer who was actually doing programming. So they saw the need of adding the other skill sets, which is very important. So they added the, the nursing uh, uh, department, pharmacy, medicine, yeah. Uh, yeah, so generally uh, the school was very much involved in instrumenting the the togetherness, the building the team, the supporting team, uh, both in terms of uh, the, those who are helping us, the mentors, mm -hmm. and even the students themselves, the support together, it, will all, it was all engineered um, through the school. But uh, remember the students again themselves, who, who are not strangers to each other, have just mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. we are all members of IEEE, mm -hmm. which is a, a is actually a, is like, is a society institute of, is an institute of electrical and electronic engineering. It's universal. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ITPOE in Kenya. And then there's another ITPOE branch that is in KU chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, one chairman, the chairman of the ITPOE is still mm -hmm. the same chairman whom we, who, who was leading us again through this ventilator project. Mm -hmm. So generally it was a team that had known each other a bit earlier, mm -hmm. but had come together again with one common purpose to save a country and to save the world. Mm. Thank you. So um, this might have been something you might have been asked before, but it would be nice for the audience to also catch up on this because uh, maybe, but um, what exactly made this uh, specific prototype different from what was actually being provided? I know you probably have dealt with it, but for the sake of our audience, run through that again, if it's possible. What were you hoping? To, what was it, or was it like supposed to be like similar, a replica or something? Okay, perhaps you'll allow me to take that. Uh -huh. And then again, as usual, I will, I will still be open. The, the rest of them, the engineers will, will follow up with it. Uh -huh. So the uniqueness of our ventilator mm. is that, first of all, I must put it like this, that all ventilators perform the same function. Mm -hmm. And the function of a ventilator is to help sustain life. Somebody is put on a ventilator when they cannot breathe on their own. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have, a, if their ventilator is not used to support them, then they lose their lives. Yet, if they would have been on a ventilator, medication will have been given, this person will improve. And when the disease process goes and the body regains, this person is weaned off, off from the ventilator slowly mm -hmm. until, he regains their own, until they regain their own breathing. Mm -hmm. and, they, and by doing that, a life has been saved. Mm -hmm. So the basic function of a ventilator is to simulate the normal breathing of a human being. The, right, the way you breathe now, the way you are breathing without effort, that air is entering at a given pressure, is reaching only a given volume with adequate concentration of oxygen and adequate concentration of carbon dioxide. Mm. It, after these seconds, it is released out. Mm. That is what the ventilator does. So all ventilators in the world are supposed to perform the function of sustaining life mm. when an individual cannot breathe for themselves mm. during disease. So 
that is what our ventilator was supposed to meet. But the uniqueness, why is it being celebrated as an innovation? Because we were not basing it on any other formula that exists. We came together and we drew a plan on our own that let it work like this, let us use this. And we did experiments. We did experiments, some of them were blowing up during all that time. Some of them were blowing, some were not working. And we were doing the mathematics ourselves, the calculations, because you don't just put pipes together and put the pressures across things. They must obey laws of physics, laws of uh, the, the engineering laws, the laws of physiology, laws of mathematics must all be obeyed. And we're using all those calculations and all the laws. So the uniqueness here is that it is talent, something coming from our own. We are not basing it on anybody's machine. And that is why it is even uh, highly sought after because they're wondering how comes you're using such a machine. We could make such a machine on our own without referring. And, and make it that cheap because ventilators are very expensive. So, that is so generally, that's what I can say here. That's generally what I, that's what I can say. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that it is the first one in Africa and we have, it's the first one in Africa, that's also what makes it again unique. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah. Perhaps if anyone, Christine, Lewis, do you have anything to add? Oh, it's okay. Um, if anything to add? Okay, fine. So I guess we can move on to the next question, if not. Um, what do you think this, uh, what are the lessons you learned from this? I'm sure it was this whole process must have come up with a lot of new lessons that you ended up learning. What exactly, what are the lessons? I don't know how else to put it exactly. What new things did you learn from the experience of working in such an environment? Okay. Um, from the academics point of view, mm -hmm. uh, interacting with intellectuals like me and other engineers, doctors, mm. it was a period of it was a very informative period. I actually got to learn so many things that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. That is in the mm -hmm. academics. Apart from that, also psychology. I learned how to deal with um, team. I learned how to handle team dynamics. Mm -hmm. I learned how to handle, how to manage a team, mm -hmm. how to make sure that everyone is working at their optimal conditions. And I also learned how to, uh, being uh, how to be psychologically fit. You know, this was a big project and we had so much uh, responsibilities on us. So you had to manage yourself personally to be okay mentally before you can even deliver. So that was also part of my learning. Um, and I also learned how to, I also learned the, important, the importance of innovation and the importance of using your skills to serve humanity. Because when we started the project, we didn't know we'll actually reach this level. We're just in a WhatsApp group. Then one of us said, um, our team leader, Fidel Makatia, said, guys, we are at home. Why can't you make something? Uh, I'm seeing other scientists work. Then we agreed, let's do it by the way. So we didn't know it will get this big. Uh, from that, I learned how to take up challenges. If you see any challenge or any problem that you can solve in the society, you don't let it go. Just try your best and deliver. Um, I can say that's uh, it from my side, yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, anyone else has anything to add? Um, for me, I think, yeah, apart from the technical things that we learned, because mm. we actually exposed ourselves to doing a lot, and usually the best way of learning things is by doing. Mm. So there's so many technical things that we learned from an engineering perspective, even in the skill, the, the other teams that we interacted with. There's so many things we learned from Frederick, from the nurse in the team, the pharmacist in the team, and all the other engineering disciplines in the team. We learned so much from each other. Mm. And also on the same note, uh, I learned a lot about teamwork. Uh, sometimes we think that we can uh, take on projects on our own and be able to achieve them, but we, you become more efficient and you're able to achieve your goal better if you're able to incorporate a team and and uh, work together. Um, 
the other thing I learned was, um, yeah, what Christian said. Um, use your skills or your technical abilities for humanity's sake. Most of the time, technical people or people in tech usually want to build AIs or just uh, machines that can do amazing things. But mm. then they, they forget the whole point of it is to solve a problem. Mm, so once you, yeah, once you learn to focus on the problem, mm. then then you have it figured out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it from me. Um, Frederick, anything to add? Uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate all those things that they have said. Uh, I, I could agree with them. Not I could, but I actually agree with them. Mm -hmm. There was a lot, a lot, a lot to learn from. Uh, as besides learning, uh, working together, the teamwork and everything, I have learned that uh, pulling together whenever you are, you are faced with a challenge, sharing it and looking for internal solutions before running outside internal solutions. We actually have solutions among ourselves, but we don't believe that we have them. So until we try, because ours was let us try and make something. We didn't know how far it would go, but it finally ended up to be an actual thing. So if we did not try and we just went home and just stayed like the rest and wait for suffering and wait for death, then we wouldn't have discovered, we wouldn't have had a fast ventilator being made in Africa. <clears throat> the other thing, again, as Africans, we must believe that not everything must come from the West or from the East. Mm. Solutions are here. Mm. We are equally intelligent and perhaps more intelligent. And, and this one is not to mean or to demean anyone, but to remind us that as a human beings, and I'm speaking as a doctor, in this case, as a medical student, that we have what it takes, the brain, the intelligence is the same. And sometimes we actually have more. So if we can use what we have, expose ourselves, just get content, get knowledge from the internet, from schools and everything, and try an extra step outside the normal to solve a problem then we can actually, this one was a big lesson to me. This one was a big lesson because when I see around in the past and, and with, our, with our invention, we realized that now there was an avalanche of, 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 an avalanche of other, other innovations that were coming up. People were making beds now, beds that we used to import. Yes, people, there were a lot of things coming up. People realized that we can actually do these things. So these solutions are just within amongst us. So um, let us look from within, and this one is a lesson that we like to go outside there, mm -hmm. for Kenyans, for East Africans, Africans, let us look amongst ourselves and lift ourselves up. We don't need always to go begging to the mm -hmm. West when we can actually do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, and maybe- um, oh, A follow-up. It's okay. Yes, yes. Oh, just a follow-up question to Frederick. Now that you have a, a functional product, prototype, do yes. you have any plans to mass produce for the hospitals to not only supply the hospitals in our country, but maybe perhaps our neighboring countries also? Thank you very much. Now, that, that plan is in the pipeline. Actually, after prototyping, we went ahead now to produce the ventilator. The prototype is the one that we did in the first weeks. We proved the concept, we proved this the way it was done, the one that you saw that was all over the media. Then after that, now we went ahead to produce now the real project. It was now a smaller version. It was more efficient. It, was a, it had a better UI, better user interface. It has better features, it had security features. It had everything that is needed in a ventilator. The initial one did not really have so many. It was proving the concept. But now after the prototype, we went ahead and actually made one. Now this. These other ones that are coming out that uh, are at the hospital stage now, the validation stage, after going through this and being certified and be allowed to produce, then the university has already shared with us the vision that we have is to mass produce, let Africa know about our ventilators, let it go and help Africans, let it go and help even other countries outside Africa, Europe, China, everywhere, so that we'll 
uh, people will go into to the to the suppliers and say we want T-Bavent and it, with a mark from Kenya or from Kenyatta University, and uh, that's the way to go. And, uh, and another follow-up question, which is that given that you had faced this very extreme conditions, if you are in a in a position to to face something similar, not necessarily a pandemic, but something that requires results just as quickly, would you be more comfortable to handle the pressure this time? Yeah, I'll answer this on, on my side, and then I will also allow uh, my teammates to go ahead and also answer on their side. Mm -hmm. uh, where I stand, mm -hmm. having been exposed to the first pandemic and we reacted that way, yeah. This time we are more sensitized and more willing yeah. so that in case there's a problem, the brains are sharper and more confident now yeah. that it can never be. The first one was more difficult because we had never done anything. But this time I'm more daring, I'm bracing for any challenge to come and I believe we can take it. Yeah. So as a team, I believe we can still do it. Maybe I can, Lewis and, and Christine can explain their side. Um, for me, the answer to that is the answer to that is definitely yes. Um, now, if a challenge if a challenge is to come, then we are automatically um, we know that our first um, in, uh, reaction to it is to look for a solution. Mm -hmm. uh, it's already been um, we've already been accustomed to that, and now we know that we can work under pressure. Work in a challenge, challenging situation to come up with solutions for, for problems. Um, just to add on to that, uh, what my colleagues have said, it's actually true. We learn from experience. And right now you've gained muscles uh, to work in such conditions. And from my side, I think I'm more than ready to handle any other um, uh, any other project or any other thing to do with a stressful environment, considering the fact that I have really, really picked so much for myself from this experience. Wonderful. Um, I, we have now two final questions as we are winding up. The, I'll go pretty quickly on them. The first one is, um, There'll obviously be other students who think this is this is an impossible thing. We honestly can't do exactly the similar thing. What sort of advice would you give to people who who might not find who might not take this who might want to take challenges like you in future? What exactly would you advice would you offer to them? Perhaps you can start with Frederick, I guess. Oh, thank you. So um, for students who would like, who are faced with the problems and perhaps they don't believe, mm -hmm. should just know that we learn from the environment. And uh, first, the first thing that comes first that you must believe in yourself that you can do something. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then nobody else can. Mm. Of course, your parents could be believing in yourself the siblings could be but you have to believe first so if you believe that you can try mm. you can take up this challenge and do it then that's where everything begins you'll never know how good you are until you try perhaps you could do something better than what we did by first trying you could be a genius but a genius is nothing if he has not if he has not tried so you must go ahead and make the first step give it a trial and then things will open up. One thing leads to the next, and the next leads to the next, and boom, we could, could perhaps make a rocket. So that's what I can tell somebody who has self-doubt or feels that whatever we did perhaps is too big or too much, mm. that you just need to try, and perhaps you could actually better what we have done. Thank you. Um, for me, maybe I'd, I'd answer it at a very personal level. Mm -hmm. My participation in the project has really encouraged and motivated my classmates. Before, actually, before I joined this call, um, before I joined this call, mm -hmm. I was from a project presentation for classwork, mm -hmm. and all my uh, most of my friends have built robust projects. They have robust ideas mm -hmm. simply because they saw that 
anything you think of, as long as it's solving a problem in the society, you can tackle it. And from my side, it's been a positive um, experience and it has really motivated my friends. And I think that should go to each and every student outside there who has been, who has had their, um, who has been able to watch us or see us doing this thing. They should be motivated. And one thing, they should just start. They should take the first step and enrich themselves, they, and enrich themselves with the right skills, and then the rest will fall in place. And they should always take up any opportunity or any challenge that they come across. Um, I think mine is just to reiterate what my fans have said. Um, if you first, sometimes some challenges might seem very big, but uh, the, I think the way to go about those challenges is to just take a first step, just start. Start and then remember that you're not alone. Don't be afraid to to ask for help, to ask for collaboration from friends and from institutions. Don't be afraid to approach them. But the important bit is to take that first step. Yeah. All right. Um, and today's final question, I guess, unless perhaps there'll be a follow-up, is what do you think, uh, do you believe this uh, spells out a hopeful future for African innovation? Do you think we'll be seeing more of this as time goes by, that we are going to make more in-house solutions rather than seeking aid from the West or the East? Uh, we can start with Frederick, I guess. Uh, you'll start with me? Yes, yes, that's fine. Okay. okay. Uh, Hello there. So uh, uh -huh. I feel uh, there will be more things coming. Mm -hmm. There will be more things. This is, not the, this is not going to be the last one. Because uh, even up after that, we have been doing other things. Uh, we have uh, either individually like me, uh, after that I went to, through, to, through another project where we were finding solution uh, uh, to the world hunger through a United Nations challenge on, uh, on health price, uh, food as a, as a, food as a, a source, of, uh, source of change, where the world is, is, is being faced with hunger and we want to bring in change through food. So. It's just one of those things that we are doing. So it was not the end and more challenges keep coming in different areas according to the, an area of interest, an area of your area of interest and area of specialization. So I believe that after this, there'll be more and more people believing after seeing what we did. And actually I can see them around, even in this university, there are people winning more and more things. So I can just believe and I hope and I pray and I encourage everybody around that you can do your part, you can try and let us bring in more and more innovation, more and more innovations and let us improve humanity. That's all. Um, follow up question. Yes. What, what foreseeable challenges do you, uh, what challenges do you foresee in the future when it comes to mass production of Ventilators. The challenges that we will see when it comes to mass production ventilators. Yeah. Uh, perhaps just um, acceptance. You know, uh, as I've, as we have already said, this is our first mechanical ventilator made in Africa, and uh, the human person that we have, the common politician that we have they still believe that things from the West perhaps are the best and perhaps they're more accurate. And I, I want to tell them at this point, I want to tell everybody that the ventilator that we have is as good as any other, whether from Tesla or from wherever. It is as good as it, as long as it has been satisfied. Remember this one is a class three, is a class three machine. This one is a, is a high risk machine that cannot just be certified to go ahead because of political reasons. There are bodies. Remember, United Nations had, an, had a hand in it and they actually went ahead and awarded us. Mm. They had to come and see it working. They are aware of the parameters. There were emissaries that were sent from, there are people who were sent from the world WHO 
to come and help us, uh, to, to come and, and evaluate if what we have done is actually true and if it is meeting the standard. So if it has been certified, it has been found and tested to be functional and good, we must believe as Kenyans, we must believe as Africans that this is the way to go. So the challenge of acceptability still is, is real, uh, but I would like to challenge everybody again outside there that we don't need to believe that only things from the West are the best. This one is still as good. So as we go through the mass production, we want to have uh, people believing and buying our, our ventilators. Build Kenya, build Africa. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, anything else to add? Perhaps. Um, I have something to add. If I can respond to Caesar's and Mary's question, just to add mm -hmm. um, about innovations in locally. Uh, first of all, I'll say that the fact is they have been there. They are all they're, they're there. So the challenge is for the, the, the institutions that can support these innovations to live up to their, 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 their dreams, that they become products and actually go in the market. The brilliant ideas down here, and it'll take an investor or um, uh, an innovation center like Chandaria and more of them to really help them grow up to be you know, actual products. And also to respond to Mary's um, about the challenges that we uh, foresee coming during the production period, maybe they can be seen as opportunities, some of them, because a ventilator has other, it works using other instruments and these instruments can be it can come as an opportunity for us to develop them, to develop them uh, hand in hand with the ventilators as well. Mm. Thank you, um, Kristin. Any last, um, any more, anything else to add? Um, just to add on innovations in Africa, mm -hmm. I think from as Lewis has said, uh, innovations have been there, and I believe we are going to continue innovating. And even some of us here, you understand will not stop from this innovation. We are still doing more and more projects. And even other colleagues from other universities have also come up, uh, have also, are also coming up and doing big and bigger projects. So I believe this was a good opportunity for the world to see that Africa, we can actually make uh, machines of our own and we can serve our community. And to all engineers who have skills and all technical people, I'll just uh, maybe advise them to use their skills in solving problems, maybe problems at hand or, or problems that we expect to face in future. Thank you. Well, uh, at this point, I'm done with all my questions, so I will hand over to Mary, who will do the final, uh, the final remarks. Mary. Um, Frederick, Christine, and Lewis, thank you so much for joining us today. We've uh, learned a lot, and we appreciate the fact that you take you took time of your busy schedule to answer some pertinent questions that we had, and to also shed some light on what we as young Africans can do for our continent and our countries. Um, thank you, and. This, uh, we've come to the end of our session and thank you so much. Thank you very much thank for hosting you. us. We appreciate you. God bless you so much. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for hosting us. Anytime. Um, uh, question, um, Mary, Michael, um, will we be having the follow-up session? Uh, the after is session. There is an after session that's uh, scheduled for three minutes. We can possibly go there if that's okay with everyone. But because uh, I'd like to end this, is everyone okay with that?